Hello, I'm Charles Clausen, your host of the Ampex Podcast, a show where we engage in conversations with entrepreneurs and innovators whose wild ideas and exponential thinking are reshaping the universe where we live, play, and work. I believe these powerful conversations will inspire you to pursue your dreams. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm excited to excited to welcome my special guest today, Shanae Moret. Shanae is a entrepreneur, entrepreneur, a visionary, and a transformer of um, sales strategies, personal branding, and, and di leveraging digital technologies. Um, she has a business called Growth Academy, which has significantly propelled a lot of businesses to success and. Um, as well as accelerating their growth rate. So um, we're excited to kind of dive deep into Shanae's journey, where she's been, where she's going. And Shanae, I think we'll start out with um, your, your beginnings. What inspired you to become an entrepreneur and go out and work on personal branding and become a, a global thought leader in this area? Yeah, I, I wish I had a pretty answer like I was just inspired and but really for me it was just getting out of the nine to five way of life that's that's basically what drove me to take a risk and bet on myself and become a freelancer because I didn't really start you know some founders they start they raise money they're really they have a big company in mind and for me, I was just trying to make enough money to replace my paycheck through freelance writing. And then that evolved. But really, things started to take off when I started to create content. And the only reason why I started to even create content was because I hated to cold call. I hated to feel as if I was approaching someone cold, whether it was in the DMs or on the phone. I hated to feel like I was, you know, wriggling, like pulling someone's arm off their body to sell them something. And naturally I started to look around and I was like, well, how do people like Tony Robbins get people excited to buy from them? What is this guy doing? What are all of them doing that I'm not doing? And the first thing was really just content. So things started to change when I started to create content because within 60 days, I went from 100% outbound to inbound. And for me, that's when business became fun. So, so when, did, when did the inbound flows start? Today, you have over 1.2 million fo followers. You have over 200,000 people subscribed to your, your newsletter. So you've built up quite a following. When did, um, when did this the secret sauce start to come together and flow within 60 days of creating content. So I had less than like 3000 connections or something on LinkedIn. Uh, and I just started to notice the change. People started to connect with me instead of me connect with them. And they started to just ask, how can you help us? You know? Um, and when I would get on the phone with them, it was a pleasant conversation versus like, me pushing them and pushing them. And I'm the type of person that when I see something work like that, I'm not going to take my foot off the gas. So I just continue to do it within a year. I grew to 30,000 followers, which isn't that much, but within 14 months, I had a tipping point and the next two months I was already at a hundred thousand. I think before the pandemic, like right when the pandemic started, I maybe had like 300,000. And this is when I made another critical decision, which was, do I stop creating because everyone, including myself, was stressed, right? We didn't know what we were up against or what was going to happen. But I decided against it because I saw a lot of people needed inspiration. And I said, well, I'm going to show up five times more for my community. Even if I show up on the day of the apocalypse, I'm going to show up. <laughs> and, th and that's what took me to a million followers because uh, more people got on LinkedIn. So it was like less competition because everyone stopped, stopped creating and more people got on the platform because everyone started losing their jobs. So 
it was making the right decisions at the right time too. So what trends did you see over this, this period between 14 months and two years and the types of contents that you created and what people needed? I mean, what, how did that shift and change? And You know, it really, inspiration always wins. Emotional content always wins. And that's just human nature. I see like, that's like the underlying thread of what I haven't seen change. And I think that that's a better question is what hasn't changed? People love stories. People love to get inspired to feel good. And if you can deliver that and deliver that consistently, then you have a lot of advantage. Everything else will change. The algorithms, whether they prefer more live video, more not this or that, but the underlying thing is that humans like to feel good. And if your content can help someone through a rough day and educate them along the way, then, then it really helps you stand out. So what you've, what you've taught us, I'm, I'm one of Shanae's uh, students in growth Academy, and we meet daily five days a week to talk about storytelling and how we inspire people, but it's, it really starts with telling good stories and stories that are about you, that are authentic, that kind of highlight how you work through challenges in your life or problems or you know how you grow, grow personally as a professional or in your relationships. So it's, um, that's always been hard for me. I've not, as a leader, been a good storyteller. What I, tend, what I tended to do was ask 95 questions and listen. So what I'm learning to do is, you know, if you really want to lead people, you have to inspire them. And that starts with the stories and the heart connections yeah. that you build. So it's, um, we're at a, um, kind of an interesting point in history. We're kind of moving out of the industrial revolution into the entrepreneurial revolution. At the same time, we're moving into the age of AI and that is so massive and is going to set the stage for the next hundred years. And those who take a leadership role in the next five years are going to be dominant for the next hundred years. It's truly transformational. And I think what I'd talk, like to talk about a little bit next would be, you know, as individuals where we try to find our freedom and, you know, as the gig economy becomes more of a factor, uh, having a job for 20 or 30 years, those days are probably gone. A lot of what we do is project oriented and you've been a master at creating your own freedom. So let's, let's talk a little bit about building a personal brand, developing content in the age of AI and how you see that morphing and changing. Yeah. I mean, the first thing that I could say is that if you want to differentiate in the age of AI, at least for now, because things will develop with video as well, but it's to do live events. I, I see that more and more where virtual or in-person live events will really help you differentiate. Video will help you differentiate because I see that in a lot of industries with the clients that I have and serve, their competition that never created content now with ChatGPT and other tools are starting to create text content, are starting to create even image content with things like Midjourney and Dali. And now the bar is raised and we have to be empathetic to the viewer of content where they're going to see a lot more, I would say, um, garbage content or like non-quality content and quality will always stand out. So when, if I were to build my personal brand from scratch today, I would definitely start with live video or live audio podcasts or podcasts like this, because Charles, you generate podcasts like this. You not only have an audio file, you have a video file, you have a transcript that's an hour and something long that could be converted into an ebook or a hundred social media posts. and you have about probably 25 short video clips that could be processed and, you know, distributed through every single social media platform that exists. 
So if you don't do video, then what do you have? You have an audio file, but you can't get images or video from it. So I just think that you have to look at what is your strength and where do you have leverage? Where's your blue ocean? And for the people that win, I think community is going to be something that people crave and you have to show up live for community. And how often do you have to show up? Daily? I think that depends. Weekly. Yeah. I think, I think even bi-weekly is uh, if you're going to do a phenomenal quality live event, I think that even if you just do it on one platform, I think that if it's worth it, bi-weekly is enough to start until you get the hang of it. And then it kind of becomes second nature and weekly becomes easy. So how do you advise people to create live events? So there's two answers to this question. If they already have content, I'd advise them to analyze the data that they already have and really ask themselves, what is the purpose of this live event? If I just wanted to attract top leaders, I would analyze my content and ask myself, what types of content first inspired my top clients to reach out to me? Let's just say that that content had nothing to do with LinkedIn. Let's say it was about my leadership rooms or personal development or my personal development content. That's what I do. I'd create that same piece of content into a live event topic and then create an outline around it. If my goal was just to sell, then I'd be like, what's the thing that most people reach out to me for? What do they buy? And usually the touch point is LinkedIn. So then I do a room like 10 tips to grow on LinkedIn, right? right. Um, but it's kind of like, who do I want to attract? Because those are two different people. One may be for a group setting. One may be for a private one-on-one -on -one client that's going to take longer to build the relationship, but it's higher ticket. Then the second part of the question is, what if you don't have content? What do you do? You could analyze other people's data or you could analyze data that you have internally. So let's say that you have 10 clients. You have transcripts of meetings with those clients. And then you could have something like ChatGPT analyze the transcripts and see what questions, what recurring questions do your top clients keep asking you? And then you could turn some of those questions into live events. So when you started today, you have a lot of business leaders, successful CEOs and, and founders in your client base. But when you started, who did you target and how did that evolve over time? So when I started, my leverage point was, what do I know a good enough, like enough about where I could be a little bit dangerous with writing that most people don't? And it was healthcare just because I had basically uh, spent a lot of time in the hospital as a child, right? As a child, I'm a cancer survivor. So I spent years in and out of the hospital. So I have a certain understanding of the healthcare system. And so that's what I started to kind of niche into. And then that turned into a healthcare agency, marketing agency, just because I understood the space. You don't market to a healthcare healthcare facility that only accepts private pay cannot market the same way than a healthcare facility that, you know, accepts government healthcare, you Medicare know, it's just, and, and yeah, right. exactly. It's different. And a lot of marketing agencies don't understand those nuances. So that's how I started to stand out a lot. So are, are you still big into healthcare today or have you evolved into more just innovative leadership and yeah that's a great question so when the pandemic when the pandemic started i i was running a healthcare marketing agency that i co-founded and i i kind of exited that because i because of all of the hundreds of messages that entrepreneurs kept sending me coaches consultants solopreneurs do you have anything for us because at the time I would just charge a very nice retainer from these companies, mm -hmm. but an individual entrepreneur can't afford that level of retainer, right? Every single month for their marketing. So I told my co-founder at the time, listen, I'm going to leave. You continue to run this, you know, and, and we had like a transition thing and um, 
I went all in to Growth Academy just because my heart's more in teaching too. When you run an agency, you do everything for them. So what kind of fears did you have to work through, Shanae, when you took a, a business that you co-founded with someone and you were in a marketing agency and decided to reinvent yourself? Or, or was I mean, it- you leave a lot of money on the table, right? You know, <laughs> uh, the retainers that we were getting from these companies was a lot. And and I didn't just do it from one day to another, right? I had to phase out, how to make sure that certain contract obligations were fulfilled. But a lot of it was just also timing. A lot of the contracts, like it was the right time that if I was going to leave, we were going to leave. Like, you know, because it was kind of like a resetting of contracts. And a lot of the people were also panicking because of COVID. So I just worked through that. I, and I said, Hey, if it doesn't work, I know how to do this again. That's kind of how I looked at it. If, if the education thing failed, then I would just do a healthcare agency again. I knew how to do it very well. Right. So, but, but I saw the demand. So, so I guess I really wasn't that afraid uh, because I, I knew the demand was there. That's the only reason why it caught my attention too. Well, you mentioned in the beginning, you, you, you went out and looked at what Tony Robbins and other Gary Vee and other thought leaders were doing. Talk a little bit about the analytics and the data that you use today to help guide your decisions and where you're going. Yeah, I just look at patterns like, how did I get to know that these people exist? All of them, I, I learned about on video, just me personally. And then I was like, well, I don't do video. That, I guess, is a problem. And then I started to just reverse engineer everything that they had in terms of marketing. Like, they do a lot of video. They're consistent. They're on every social media platform. They were doing everything that I wasn't. And success leaves clues. You know, if the Giants are doing it, it's because it works. So was that just something you did? Or was that inspiration from someone like Tony Robbins at you know, and his business mastery. How did you come up with this thing? And I mean, looking at patterns and looking at where things are going is really what should drive all business leaders. But how did you learn that skill? I don't know. Um, Was it intuitive? Is it just something you always thought about? I'm going to go check this out and see what's going on and figure out what's driving it. I guess it was just my, I was kind of forced into a position to look at my environment because what I was doing was not working at the level that I wanted it to. So I hated cold calling so much that I was like, what else can I do? (laughs) And I started to just like analyze, like, what are they doing that I'm not doing? It kind of seemed like an intuitive thing. I didn't go to some program and follow any steps. I just saw that they were all doing this thing. And so I should probably start doing it too. I think to also answer that question, It was also a timing thing because at the same time, LinkedIn video was pretty new. And so I saw a rise of users start to use video. So that could have also pushed me over the edge to start. Oh, that's, that's interesting. So we have a new emergence within a LinkedIn and that's the LinkedIn audio. And I don't know how many people know about that, but that's kind of a new emerging area within LinkedIn. Do you want to talk about a little bit about that and what you see the opportunity for that as part of a a branding and a communication strategy? Yeah, I think that it's a a huge opportunity. So LinkedIn has LinkedIn live audio now. And it's, if you've ever used clubhouse or Twitter spaces, it's kind of just like that. Um, Now there are different like little nuance differences. Like there's could only be one moderator there. There's a certain amount of people only allowed on stage. I believe it's eight. The rooms can only be three hours long. They don't want marathon rooms. But the point is, is that the feature is available. And out of everything that people on LinkedIn that I know, clients that I advise do, it's probably the thing that converts the fastest, especially when they're also doing video. And it there's a few reasons why. Instagram and TikTok and all these social media platforms, when you go live on video, you could bring someone into your live. 
So if I go live on Instagram, Charles, I could literally bring you into my conversation and we could just talk like this. Okay. That, that capability is not available on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn live audio is the only feature on LinkedIn that gives you real-time access to talk to another human being. Do you think newcomers to your community are more comfortable in a audio situation where they're they're not front and center in a video and um, yes, focus on, too. I mean, does it make it easier for them to come and, and engage and build comfort and having a dialogue in a community they don't know? It does if they're an expert in what it is that they do, which is why I like to work with, if you know, if you're truly passionate about what you do and you know that you have the best interest of your prospects in mind, it's much easier because anybody can come onto the stage, ask you a question, and you could give them an answer that you're confident about. The people that stray away from that real-time access are people that may not have the experience. They may not have clients yet. And they're a little bit more, I don't want to say scared of that environment, but they'd prefer kind of just a one-way street live video. So they like the LinkedIn lives. So when you get into the the audio rooms do you what, what's the balance between when you bring in a couple of guests to have a conversation with them versus just um introducing a, a, a subject or a topic and giving you know a four or five minute overview then opening it up for q a what's what do you find as a pros and cons of each one of those approaches so it depends on their goal if you do more high ticket things and your goal is really just to attract leaders and you know that you have the sales skills to build those relationships that will eventually turn into a deal, then having those panels and stuff is a great strategy because you are equipped with those skills of relationship building on the back end, right? And you you give them your platform. If you are newer to business and let's say that this month, next month, the following month, you absolutely need clients, then I, I, I advise limiting collaboration to about 25% because if you collaborate with 25 people all the time or five people or three people, it's going to be right. hard for people to understand what you're an expert in and how you can help them. So it really depends in the phase that they're in, in their business. Does that make sense? It makes um, complete sense. And you have, you have a big enough following with 200,000 plus subscribers to your newsletter. You can actually put out a newsletter two or three times a week or blog, then promote your live or uh, audio room since it's a way to get out and get in front of people and get them to show up. Yeah. And, you know, I'll say this, you don't need my following to have successful audio events on LinkedIn. So uh, one of my clients, she has about 5,000 followers, you know, her Charles Joy. Uh -huh. And yesterday she did an audio event, 500 people passed through the room, eight, 80, 72, between 72 and 80 people were live in the room the entire hour. Her room was bigger at the end of the room at the end of the hour than at the beginning of the hour. And she has 5,000 connections. That's 10% that's that showed up and stayed. So that's, that's awesome. That's very impressive. Yeah. And, and we can't undervalue, like even imagine like in person putting together an event where 80 people are sitting in chairs in front of you, like that's a lot of energy. And she did it with 5,000 connections, but I'll say this, she's been consistent for that was her 11th week. And that's why I tell people it takes about 12 weeks of consistency because people have to almost be like trained to, oh, Wednesdays at eight o'clock in the morning, I have my room. Wednesdays at eight o'clock in the morning. So then you kind of grow like a, a repeat community that shares it with their network and it just, it compounds. So over months and years, it that can just continues to grow. And as long as you provide good stories, good content, they keep showing up and. Yeah. And she has the asset of the conversation and they ask her for the recording. So that's the other thing. LinkedIn doesn't store the recordings. So what you could do is leverage the recording 
for a landing page to build your email list, right? And she's gotten clients from her audio rooms. So I just want to say that because you don't need a huge following to get a nice crowd of people into a room. That's, that's a great point. And I, you know, I watch what's going on with the tech companies and Microsoft, I think had their second wave of layoffs in the last week and another 10,000 people. And I think part of that has to do with open AI and the technology that makes their literally with chat GPT, I am at least 10 times more efficient. Um, I did an experiment today for this podcast and I said, go out and, you know, write a podcast introduction for you and our conversation. And it, it wrote something that was a lot more detailed and longer than I, but it was so much better than anything I could ever generate on my own. And I would have to spend two or three hours to do what it did in five seconds. So it's, it's amazing way to generate content. Once you learn the, um, you know, the prompt engineering, how to ask questions, but it is truly amazing. And I've only been using it for eight weeks and it's changed my entire life in ways you can't even imagine. And how, do, you know, as a, um, you're kind of an expert in digital branding and, and marketing and, you know, how you drive sales without making sales calls and attracting people to you and sharing content with the age of AI, we've only touched the tip of the iceberg, Shanae. Where do you, I, I guess part of the reason I do this podcast is because of a frustration with all these transformational technologies that I see and the people that are doing amazing things, how easy it is today versus 20 years ago to become a unicorn. And so many people seem to be apathetic. They don't seem to have a curiosity and the, the one thing that's going to be certain in the future if you want to be engaged in our uh, ai age economy you, you have to continually upgrade and redefine your skill set so it's it's about continual learning you can never stop and it i don't know if people lack the curiosity because they're afraid but somehow we have to inspire people to go out there and sort this out and learn how to use these tools because it blows my mind every day what i learn it's true. I've been having some conversations with a few different people in the last month, the last, you know, and you saw Charles that the second I started to use ChatGPT, I started teaching master classes on it. And I think that that's going to be, there's going to be like this gap between the people who know how to use these tools and then the people who don't. And I feel like it's, I'm the type of person that I feel like it's my responsibility to learn these skills and then dissimulate them and teach them in a way where, you know, it's entertaining and educational and people are open to it because a lot of the ways that the AI ethics or the AI scientists teach is just so far and above what people even want to listen to. Right. And they don't bring it back to like the practical understanding or relatability to just someone that's running a small business, let's say. Right. So I think like that, I'm going to lean more towards that space skills training for the business owners, because if they don't learn how to use this, I don't know how they'll be able to compete with those that do. I, I don't think they'll survive. The, the future is you'll either learn these up skills and these new skills or your, your business will go away. I mean, there's no way you can compete because it's, it's just so amazing. And it's kind of a plug for the Growth Academy. I started with Shanae, I think in March of 2022. And the first thing I learned is, oh, I need a website for my strategic coaching business. So, okay, go develop a website. Then you know, we work on daily content and you can do text or you can do pictures or you can do videos, then it's okay. Then you have to have a call to action. Well, what do you do with these calls to actions? Well, you have to set up like a CRM, like a, a Kajabi where 
you can automate this. So when, you know, when people start coming in, you have different offerings and they can select that. And, oh, there's so many different technologies. Um, I've got a crypto curated newsletter and to get people to subscribe, I've got to have calls to action. And then I got to go through Zapier, which is a integration software that allows different tools to interface with Kajabi. And it's super efficient once you automate these processes, but it's a process. And, you know, mid-journey, Shanae uh, talked about Dolly too and mid-journey. You can create am amazing, amazing digital images of just anything you can imagine you can create in seconds. But there's a bot interface to mid-journey and it is not intuitive. So, you know, you almost have to invest the time. <laughs> 20 or 30 yeah, hours do. I've spent <laughs> in mid-journey. But once you have these skills, you can crank out content. I mean, I have a, the equivalent of the New York Times um, editorial staff working for me with the AI tool that I use to curate newsletters. It searches 500,000 sources every day. And I have these four categories that I focus on with technology and the future of work and human connection. Um, and I mean, it, it just takes me two or three minutes to publish this, but I could publish five different newsletters. I'm, I'm working on one now for family offices that I think will give them visibility to investment opportunities in these exponential technologies. You've got you know, you've got the AI and you've got the robotics and you've got quantum. Um, quantum sensors are amazing. I mean, they're, they're sensing things at the atom atomic level and they're doing it fast. And it's just the technology that's, it's here today. It's not five years from now or 10 years from now. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's mind boggling. So, you know, I try to share that in this podcast, but I also try to inspire people. I mean, if you want to develop your own brand and you want to develop a digital business, and I highly recommend collaborating with Shanae. I've been with um, her group for, um, you know, a year and a quarter, and I'm still learning, but it's exciting. You know, sometimes you pull your hair out and you go crazy trying to figure out this technology. Um, and, and some are easier than others, but it doesn't matter if you're 15 or if you're 75. Dig in and it's, it's so cool. And so, I mean, it inspires me when I see the great work that people are doing using technologies in the healthcare space and in the longevity space. And I study with Peter Diamandis and we talk a lot about mindset and moonshots, but he had a student um, whose moonshot was to um, 3D print a rocket and send it to space. Well, last Friday, that launch happened. Wow. You know, on, on national TV, he sends a rocket to space that he built with a 3D printer. I mean, there's, there's people whose moonshots are solving climate change and massive desalination plants to have clean water and how you feed 5 billion people. I mean, and it's very exciting, but it all starts with this digital base. So I encourage everyone. I, I saw Charles that Peter, Peter Demandis, uh, if I'm saying his name right, he tweeted that like the first trillionaire or something will be someone that leverages AI in healthcare or education. And, you know, it's just look at how our education system is lacking already. How are, you know, in India, they're already launching skills facilities for upskilling AI, like, you know, prompt engineering and how, how will students who don't leverage and learn this compete when they enter the job market? They won't, they won't, but you know, the, I think we have to create hope, Shanae, and I think last week we had exposure to um, Sal Khan of the Khan Academy, and they they were up to 30 million students in the uh, pandemic in the United States teaching them with content, and um, I think he's up to 500 school districts now. But what they're doing in content delivery is amazing. Um, but you know, we we need to education is a big 
big challenge. So I'm, I'm, I think the future of schools isn't about content delivery. It's about creating community and bringing young people together and teaching them how to communicate, how to, you know, work through problems and have empathy and compassion and, you know, social skills because, you know, web three is coming fast and the metaverse is coming fast. So as, as humans, as humanity, we have to find a way to stay connected. And it's so easy to hide behind a computer screen. Um, so I think the, the continual learning, but one of the things Sal and Peter Diamandis were talking about is that tech companies anymore don't care about a college degree. And I think in the nearer term, we will see competency exams, especially on a lot of these new skill sets and like AI. And anyone can go out and listen to lectures from Andrew Ng, who's one of the top authorities. He's a adjunct at Stanford. He was running AI at Google for years and very cool person, but, and it's easy to take an exam, but the university, I was talking to a Dean of a major college university two days ago and the way content classes are accredited is crazy. What they're teaching is already obsolete. By the time they get through the accreditation process for a new class, it's truly obsolete. So um, how you become an accredited university, it almost guarantees that you're not delivering what students want and need. So, I mean, I ask them, what happens when you go from 30,000 students down to 10,000 students in the next two years? Who's, who's going to fund that? And you know, how do we find time to reimagine education and what that looks like? And I said, okay, I know you've got all this stuff with staffing and performance reviews and all the bureaucratic administrative stuff in a university, but AI can take all of that stuff. And if you could free up 70% of the time, then you could start reimagining what education could look like, um, mm -hmm. then start building that. But it's, you know, these old hierarchical structures, um, many of them aren't going to survive just because they're not willing to change. Yeah. So it's exciting what's possible, but it's exciting for any young person that wants to transform something because you can do it. Access to capital now is amazing. You know, Andrew Ng has a, a venture fund and he said, I'll, I'll look at anything and I'm looking for credible AI projects. I don't want stuff that's not well-defined and well thought out. But if you have an imagination and you can envision using all these different technologies um, to solve problems, I mean, you could create the next unicorn in a matter of years. In OpenAI, in a week, went to a million users, and in two months was 100 million users. It's, I mean, it's scaling faster than anything we've seen in the history of humans, and it's it's awesome, but you know, I encourage everyone that wants to figure out how to develop a digital brand and understand how to use these technologies to you begin building a business and telling their story to join the Growth Academy because you know there's there's a group of founders and entrepreneurs who are our core and we're learning this together. Um, but it's yeah. you know, it's fantastic because I don't. I don't know how I could sort all this out on my own. It's a lot. It's just so many pieces, so many, many moving pieces to learn. And it's, I, I really feel it's also that we don't just learn together. It's, it's just knowing that for some people, it's knowing that they're not alone. That like, there's other people that may also feel overwhelmed with, uh, you know, 25 technologies working together in sync and, um, so it's that piece of it too. And I think for anybody listening, as you build your brand, one of the best things you could do is build community because as AI continues to scale, again, one of the blue ocean strategies that you could have is to foster human connection and community because human nature, it, that need is always going to be there. And I, I think the beautiful thing about this particular community is not all of us are comfortable behind a microphone in front of a camera. I mean, after a year, I've gotten a lot better. But, 
you know, putting yourself out there on LinkedIn and, and doing your first LinkedIn live or your first audio room. I mean, there's, there's a lot of fears around just getting started and showing up. And once you've done it three or four times, and you said today that Joy has been doing it for 11 weeks, and now she had 500 people that stayed for the whole event. Well, I mean, think, I think Joy's probably getting comfortable with it. And the community is following her and they're showing up because she made a commitment to show up, even if there was only two people in the beginning. Yeah. And her confidence has grown too. It's like that, you know, the more you do something, the more confident you get when you do it. And it's been her kind of self-discovery journey as well. You know, it's, it can be intimidating to have 80 people or whatever in an audience. And it could be soul crushing when you open a room or you start a live and there's nobody there, you know, what do you do? But when you have a community that supports you, at least you always have a couple people in the audience, you know, right. when you first get started, <laughs> you don't have to have that fear where you're going to look live and there's zero people there. You know, well, you know, with the tens of thousands of people coming out of tech companies and just the way that jobs are going to be re-engineered and how computers will help humans in the future. There's, I, I think this is basically a competency that everyone needs to learn. You know, maybe when you're in your eighties or nineties, you can say, I, I don't really care, but you know, part of the conversations of Peter Diamandis and abundance 360 is if you can live 10 years, you can live to 150. And, you know, at 135, I plan to still be doing the things I'm doing right now. So I'm only at, in middle of my lifespan. So with the technologies in health tech, it's going to change everything. And that, that would be a conversation for another podcast. But I think, um, you know, this, this AI age is coming fast. It's coming faster than anything that humans have ever seen. But um, it, it's exciting and it's going to change yeah. work. It's going to change how we spend our free time. Um, it's going to change how we learn. And, um, I think the people who try to avoid it or stick their head in the sand, their level of anxiety and depression is going to go up, but it's an amazing tool. You know, if, if I can learn this stuff in my sixties, Anyone can learn it, but it's the community that helps with this. this yeah. And you have the learn. curiosity, Charles, you know, even if you get frustrated with a little tech thing, you know, that's the thing, the community's there and you want to learn it. Uh, I think, I think that whether someone's 20 or 70 right now, if you don't learn this, if you, if you try again in like a year, the amount of skills, like it's going to be impossible to compare to someone that started using these tools in March of this year compared to if you try next year, because it's going to be like 10 years of AI time, right? Yeah, uh, at, least. at the rate, which <laughs> it's not going to be a year. It's like 10 years of time that you've lost uh, and of skill set training that you've lost. And that's, that's what scares me is that people are seeing time as linear. They're, they're thinking, oh, it's going to happen slow, like social media and the internet age. They're highly underestimating how fast these changes are going to happen. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a great point. I mean, I personally think in five years, we could see 500 universities and colleges go out of business because they're no longer relevant. One, they don't have anything that anyone cares about anymore because the knowledge base is, is growing so fast. So Ray Kurzweil, who's for 40 some years has been uh, predicting singularity, which is when computers catch up with humans. And that's, that's going to happen by 2029. But this is what's mind boggling. In 2045, give or take a year or two, as humans, we'll be able to have a computer brain interface where our knowledge and our access to information is a million times more than what it is today. So you just think something, well, what about this? Um, and it's there. Just think what's possible when you have 
I mean, 10x is, is big, and that's what we're seeing now. But just imagine you think something and it's there. Um, yeah. it's, it's pretty mind-boggling. I think people think, ah, we're not going to see that in my lifetime. But trust me, we're going to see it. And you'll be able to go online and learn whatever you want as fast as you want to digest the, um, the YouTubes and the content. Then you'll be able to take a competency exam and go to work for any technology company in the world because they don't care about the college degree that at some point is going to be irrelevant. Mm -hmm. So, you know, unless the, the, the universities start teaching you how to have hope, how to create a moonshot and how to leverage these technologies to thrive in the future, then they serve no purpose. And, you know, I'm trying to collaborate with universities to help them see how they can be, be um, relevant in the future. But that's, you know, people are um, five years from retirement. This, I'm not interested in this. But so it's exciting for anyone who wants to have the curiosity just to dig in and learn. And there's plenty of people will help. All you have to do is ask. Yeah, it's so powerful what you just said. And I guess like the main message of this podcast is to, and you know, if you feel a little bit overwhelmed, just thinking about this AI or building a personal brand, you know, just be curious, reach out. There's a community here and anyone can do it with the curiosity and, and the persistence. Um, and don't, don't sit by the wayside for too long because the changes that are coming are going to be unprecedented. Absolutely. Just roll up your sleeves and dive in and then there's just, just there's I got excited when I first, you know, I understand the fear a little bit, but it's kind of like, for me, the way that I see it is like when I saw ChatGPT for the first time and saw what it was capable of, it's kind of like witnessing in slow motion a tsunami. I mean, when you're in front of a tsunami, you know, in, in this is a metaphor, you have two options. You can choose to swim and learn how to swim and, you know, navigate those type of seas, or you could choose to just freeze. And it just, it was exciting to me. Like, when I witnessed that, I was like, big changes are coming. Absolutely. So my, my newsletter, I call it the Ampex Navigator Riding the Wave. And I have a picture of this big wave. And, you know, you can either get on your surfboard and learn to ride the wave, or you can just bury your head in the sand and just let the wave pummel you. And I, there really is, those are the two options. There's, you can't just ride the fence and say, I'm just going to ignore this because it's going to change everything in your life how you play, how you work, your social relation, it's going to change everything. And it's happening every day at the, at the speed of exponential, which is exciting. If you like change, it's horrifying. If you're not <laughs> interested in it, that's absolutely horrifying. And I think that's why pe some people, you know, have frozen because it is horrifying. They don't like change, but you have two options. Like you just said, get pummeled by the change and suffer the consequences or at least be curious about it and, you know, get closer to people that are embracing the change. And, you know, that's, that's the fun part is that you don't have to do it alone. Right. No. And it's, you'd be surprised if you just reach out and engage people um, and talk to people. Um, I met a lady at, our abundance summit last week, who's in charge of quantum computing chips for Intel. And we, we had a great conversation and I think I'm going to end up doing a podcast with her sometime in the next couple months. But these people, if you just reach out and connect with them, and if you can find ways to connect with people, you can do it digitally. You can also do it, which is what you teach. But you can also do it face to face. And that sometimes can help bridge the time that it takes to develop relationships if you can find ways to also have face-to-face -face. Yeah, for sure for sure yeah that's why and just like tying it back to the beginning that's why in the beginning i said find points of leverage where you could differentiate and live events virtual and in person are points of differentiation right now 
uh, because your competition, whatever business you're in is going to start creating more content or has already started creating more written content with AI. So it's time for people that if they really want to be a leader, make a difference and be visible video live events, online live events in person and community. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic advice. So just, uh, kind of in wrapping things up, you, um, you seem to be live. 24 seven Shanae, you're, I mean, your digital presence is there and you're totally engaged. How do you find balance in your life and how do you find time to spend with your daughter and family and friends and maintain some balance to this addiction? It's, it's kind of like addiction. It just pulls you in. You just go yeah. one more connection, one more thing. And it's, uh, how do you, how do you get to a point where you're not losing your sanity? Cause all you do is look at the computer. You know, uh, I'm not the expert at this by any means, but I think some of the best advice I got by this female entrepreneur that I know is, and she's very successful woman in Texas is, you know, at around 7 PM every day, she would close her laptop and just spend at least a few hours of quality time with her kids. She had multiple kids. I have one. So I just, before Liv is asleep, I try to do that for at least two hours beforehand. And then another piece of advice that I got from my mentor is, let's say you can't do that on the days that you can't, because there's going to be days where you can't at least be there when they're like the moments before a child goes to sleep, if they feel safe, it's like a, a moment of bonding. So I tried to do that where you know, where she's falling asleep, those moments before I try to at least be present. Excellent. Do you tell her a story? Or you just have Yeah, she if she has energy for it. But she's pretty (laughs) straight. She's pretty uh, straightforward. Like sometimes she'll be like, I'm tired. And she's not the type of child that takes forever to go to sleep. She'll just like roll over and go to sleep. Like, uh, she's kind of the one that like burns all the energy and then just like unplugs. And she's like, it doesn't take her like 45 minutes to go to sleep. She's either full 100% or crash in about a minute. Okay. Well, it sounds like she lives all out just like her mom. So that's (laughs) good. So um, just in closing, Sinead, thank you so much for your time, sharing your invaluable insights and wisdom. And um, you know, I encourage everyone to tune into your favorite streaming service or podcast. And if you like this, um, click follow. And um, we will have some more fantastic guests in the near future. For, so thank you for your time. And thank you, Sinead. And we will talk soon. Thank you, Charles. This is great. Thank you for the invitation and thank you for being an inspiration and, you know, being a light in the world and kind of catalyst of curiosity. Okay. Well, I appreciate that distinction. So have a great evening and we will talk soon, Shanae. All right. Bye, Charles. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on the Ampex podcast. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure not to miss future episodes and please rate the show wherever you get your podcast. Thanks to our awesome production team, Lindsay Soderberg, social and digital marketing, Taylor Higgins, video production, and Seth Nielsen, marketing. See you next time.